You're listening to Ithaca Now, WICB's weekly news podcast focused on stories in the Ithaca community. I'm your host, Inbai Nian Barrison, and thank you for joining us. On tonight's show, we're going to hear from station manager Beck Legato, who had the opportunity to talk with Adam Lorenzo, a Hollywood writer. But first, we have Liv Salonzo with Community Beat. Zaldas has repurposed Meadow Cray cooking space in the parking lot of the Ithaca Reuse Center to create the magic flavor of the taco, his own taco stand. The magic flavor of the taco opened at the end of July 2023. The stand is an unconventional cooking space that was donated by Eduardo Acevado and Ithaca Reuse Center Chief Executive Officer Diane Cohen placed plan to keep the, it as a space to start up businesses. Jeremiah Jordan was sentenced to 20 years to life in New York State Prison on August 25th in connection with his conviction of of the second-degree murder of Michael Monroe and tampering with evidence. Quote, under the circumstances of his brutal murder, I strongly believe that Jeremiah Jordan should have received the maximum sentence of 25 to life, Tompkins County District Attorney Michael Van, Van Houten said in a statement. Jeremiah Jordan's unprovoked and senseless act of violence caused Michael's family insurmountable pain that no court proceedings can ever come close to addressing, unquote. You're listening to Ithaca Now. I'm your host, Inbaini Anbarasan. Over the summer, station manager Beck Legato spoke with Adam Lorenzo, a Hollywood writer who wrote for productions including Everybody Loves Raymond and wrote jokes for Saturday Night Live. With the publication of his book, All I Need to Know, I Learned from My College Bar, Beck Legato spoke with him about his experience owning a college bar and his current career. Adam Lorenzo is a Hollywood comedy writer for multiple notable shows, including Everybody Hates Chris, Everybody Loves Raymond, and Are We There Yet?, a comedy series featuring Ice Cube and Terry Crews. He got his start selling jokes to David Letterman and continued to write for SNL and comedians including Tina Fey and Jimmy Fallon. But before he became the notorious writer he is today, he got his start in a college bar, Maggie's on the Hill to be specific, and spent most of his free moments throughout his time at Syracuse University owning this local joint. Lorenzo recounted his experiences in his new book, All I Need to Know, I Learned from My College Bar. And I got the chance to speak with him about the book and about his work as a writer in Hollywood and about a potential extra chapter to All I Need to Know from a College Bar coming soon. I wanted to begin with the question that stood out the most to me, which was, how did you come to own this bar? I heard that uh, one of the owners was uh, getting out of the business, was retiring, but I need, you know, I bartended every night. The tips helped me get through life and I needed, the, I needed the job. So I was able to talk to, to them and I got one of the owners to hold a promissory note for me. So no, no big down payment, but you have to realize too, back then, it was a a big cash business. You know, now everybody does the swipe of the cards and everything, but to have someone like me running it that was trustworthy there all the time, a block away at the school, you know, that is kind of an invaluable asset in in a college bar, especially in a college bar, because you can only imagine um, the, the areas that need watching. (laughs) <laughs> so I was, so they held a promissory note where I, where I paid them back every month and it ballooned and, you know, things, things are, it's kind of, kind of wild back. I mean, it went pretty well, pretty quickly. And, you know, I had a ton of energy then, like I have a ton of energy now. And, um, and then I ended up buying a second one in my senior year of, of college up in, in Alex Bay. 
When talking about what inspired the book and allowed for it to come into fruition, Adam mentioned that he would write down different events or moments that stood out on napkins. They were napkins. And, and I remember we had, um, you know, I just had this memory at this second. I haven't thought about it in a long time, but we, we had these receipt, you know, like little receipts for people taking orders. And I used to just, you know, they'd be left over and I'd keep them under the bar and all the fish bowls were under the bar. No one could see them. You know, you wash them and then you'd put them underneath on a shelf. And I would, you know, any, in the back of my mind, you know, my dream was to be a writer, how to get from college student who might be a lawyer or maybe get into politics. I was an intern for Senator Moynihan in Buffalo when I went to Buff State before I went to Syracuse. You know, these ideas were there, but my dream was how do I, you know, could it, could I ever be a writer? So, you know, I just would put these ideas in these fishbowls, you know, maybe someday something will happen with them. Remember these jokes, remember these lessons. Um, and, you know, and I, and I, and I kept them all. A lot of those lessons were from those receipts and those fishbowls, and they just were baking for such a long time. This book has a unique format with cartoons donning every page alongside helpful tips and tricks for college students or early graduates. I wanted to know more about the format and why that was his preferred mode of storytelling. So during the pandemic, I always wanted to write this book and I had just sold a movie, you know, luckily right before the town shut down but you really couldn't get anything made. It was pretty pretty severe out here, like I, it was everywhere. I mean, who could have predicted such a thing? So I thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write this book and I really missed joke writing. You know, I write scripts, I write stories. They're funny, but it's a different muscle. And to get through the pandemic, to really have fun, I thought I'm gonna, I'm gonna write it like I used to write jokes and see what happens. And I did it that way. And then, look, I know nothing, you know, about books. I didn't know anything about it. You know, this was just doing what I loved based on my life. And I've learned when I write about the things that are most personal to me and that I love and that make me laugh, they typically are received well. So I thought, I'm going to go with that equation again. And... Um, you know, and then, and I thought it would be funny to do a little, little picture. I, I came up initially with all this clip art, you know, uh, and I thought about publishing it with clip art. But Adam decided against using clip art, instead deciding to hire his illustrator, Antonio Pina, who worked for the New Yorker at the time and created the cartoons from his home in Milan, Italy. I'd send him the pages, the descriptions, the clip art, and then in the morning I'd wake up and, you know, and that, I was like, that's, that's the idea here. And it's a quick, you know, you get through the book in 15 minutes, you know, it's quick, you can go back to it. Those are the kind of books I keep around, you know, what makes me feel good in a minute. <laughs> I don't have to read a chapter. So that's why I chose it. And I'm really glad I did. I had so much fun doing it. Adam continued to talk about the tempo that his storytelling writing had and how he was able to create a pattern with the way that he tells his jokes. When I was putting it up, you know, I put a piece of paper up for each page in, in my office. And I do remember thinking, I love the dun, dun joke, dun, dun joke, you know, because it's a lot like, you know, what you do in a, in, when you're writing monologue jokes or, you know, whatever you're doing, you're writing a setup, you know, and then you've got 
the, that second line of what's the story. And then your third is your joke. So, you know, maybe that's the rhythm. You know, I always find, I think any comedy writer will tell you there's a rhythm. It's an inexplicable rhythm. It's either going to hit or it's not. And anybody who's in the business and is a pro, you know, they know what that rhythm is. And I don't know if it can be taught. You know, it's just like, I, I know it. I think, I think uh, you know, the, the people I respect know it. And that's probably where it came from. Something that stuck out to me reading the book was actually the extensive acknowledgments. One that stood out to me in particular was a dedication to a patron who left their golf clubs at the bar, which Lorenzo claimed that he still had. The Lost and Found box in Maggie's is a book itself. <laughs> How people lost a single sneaker, I'll never know. You know, you ne next day, I mean, we had rules. You know, we had all sorts of rules in Maggie's. You can't, because, you know, everybody, every, all of the all the employees wanted everything in the Lost and Found box. You know, oh my God, I got a new purse. I got sunglasses. I got, <laughs> look at this ring. Okay, the rule is 30 days. No one, you know, they would take dibs. Dibs, dibs, 30 days. We got to give people 30 days. And we'd put a sign up at the door if you're allowed or whatever, you know. And so someone did leave golf clubs, but it, it's slightly embellished. I only have the driver. <laughs> and I'm not a golfer. I don't, I don't golf, uh, but I, but I, but I have the driver. But things, oh, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have believed everything, you know, we found in that, in that matter, matter of fact, there's a cool, another chapter that's coming out of this which I haven't really talked about, is there's this wonderful cartoonist at the New Yorker magazine called, called Brooke Bourgeois. And uh, Brooke is an incredible, funny cartoonist. And we're going to do a comic strip, uh, you know, and one of the pictures is the lost and found box. And it's, uh, it's really great. It's parents weekend. And, it, and it's the next morning. And in the lost and found box, there's a mom and you know some some other other items so it really it really was a thing you know recently writers in LA have been protesting leaders of large media corporations including Warner Brothers Discovery Disney and Paramount among others they have been on strike in order to have a discussion with these conglomerates to have an honest conversation about getting fair wages for the work that they do for these companies the screen actors guild or sag for short has joined the writers on strike Writers hope to have an honest conversation with these corporations so that they can come to a decision that would allow for writers to keep their jobs with the rising threat of AI while also getting paid fairly. When I asked Adam about how he was responding to the protests, he got up and showed me his picket handle koozie and a reusable cup that he used for water on the lines. You know, it's such an important issue, you know, but when you're on the line with SAG, the energy is out of control. You realize we are united, you know? I mean, I, we, we hit all the studios. I have a, a neighbor who happens to be a, a, a director and a writer named David Tui. We wrote a movie together. We carpool, take others. He's the one who got the pick and handle for me in the cup. And, um, you know, we go out there and you, you try to keep the spirits high. And these are very important issues that will affect everybody down the line. And, uh, 
it was cool. Matter of fact, yesterday I was over at the, uh, you know, the picket line and I had my, I always put my name on the tag and what year I got on the, in the writer's guild, which was 1999. And it felt really good because someone didn't believe that I was old enough to have gotten in in 1999. Looking back on the book as a whole, Adam acknowledged that. I, I hope people take away from you can't do wrong from doing right, you know, um, and, you know, if you're, if you're not the best part of someone's day every day, you know, you're wasting your life. You know, those are a couple messages in there that I think are really important, you know, to, to pay it forward, to be there for others, to help other people achieve their dreams. Um, I would say those are the things. I mean, those are the things that certainly mean the most to me now uh, in my life now. It's the little things. It's the heart that, you know, it's not about the outside stuff. It's, it's a, you know, it's the inside stuff that really matters, you know, because we're here for a blink, a second. We're on the spinning planet. And I mean, look, I was just at Ithaca High School. It seems like a second ago. And now we're talking, you know, I mean, it's, it's crazy. So make it count. Be good to people. Laugh. Reflecting on his time at the bar, he remembers that. It's such wonderful m memories. And, and I think about even though with all that chaos that I'm describing, uh, you know, it was such a special family kind of place, you know, where it always amazed me that this kind of chaos could happen and it was a safe environment. To learn more about the book, you can check out collegebarbook.com. For WICB News, I'm Becca Gatto. That's all for tonight's edition of Ithaca Now. You can listen to all of our stories on WICB.org. And if you'd like to listen to past shows, follow WICB on SoundCloud and subscribe to Ithaca Now to hear this show anywhere, anytime. Just search WICB News Presents on your favorite podcast app. For more updates throughout the week, follow WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This show wouldn't happen without the support and assistance from Manager of Television and Radio Operations, Jeremy Menard, WICB Station Manager, Beck Legato, and Programming Director, Nicole Allen. Thank you. All of the music from our show's intro and outro comes from Dr. Dundiff of Louisville, Kentucky. Have any feedback? Story ideas? Just wanted to say hi? Feel free to reach out by emailing news at wicb.org. We will be back with a full episode of Ithaca Now at 7 p.m. next Sunday. But for now, I'm your host, Inbaini Anbarasan.